take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. Hey, Mr. Finley. How are you, Finley? I am Finley and out like a mofo right now. Finley and out like a mofo? Yeah, feeling good. Yeah, fair enough. How yeah. about you? Uh, I've been better, for okay. sure, but I, I'm good. All right, you're getting along. Getting... Nobody cares. But, no, come on. My, my little buddy over here has had a little bit of a long problem the last couple of weeks. This is a He's little bit like better. you're a comedian, Tom. The comedians hit the stage and say, how are you? Hey, what's going on, uh, everybody? <laughs> nobody gives a shit. Hey, Joe, what do you do for a living? Let me ask And in you. fact, I think we've had numerous, numerous, <laughs> numerous complaints, of which we completely ignore about yeah, how whatever. we chatter away yeah, prior to do. talking about these films. Well, we're going to chatter away just for a second, because my man, <laughs> my man Joseph over here, mm-hmm. he doesn't feel comfortable. Uh, he likes to he likes to podcast with his head in a, in a state of warmness. As a rule, he wears a beanie to this thing, but he's lost his beanie, and right now he's got a fabulous, uh, like straight out of the seventies, little um, mm-hmm. headband situation going on here, looking a lot like Ellis from Platoon, as I mentioned before. Yeah, uh, maybe and, Bill uh, Macy from Serial. Um, Jesus, it's a good reference. God damn, trust me, everyone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a very specific well, and good reference. La- lacking the, the passing out on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, but you look beautiful, dude. Yeah, there's a study that actually suggests that um, uh, that's a condition, like uh, having to sort of, it makes you think better. I've said it for years. Really? My wife ran across this study that suggests that it's oh, true. That it, having it, something uh, on your head makes you th- a thoughtful person. I'm like Jerry Lewis. My head gets big. There's so many brains in there. Got it. Got to keep it. You wish I was like Jerry Lewis right now. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Well, at least at least in <laughs> the current uh, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> well, I, I I'm going I'm going to second that one for the one from uh, the King of Comedy with the taped up Jerry Lewis. I fucking love the King of Comedy, man. That, that is such a great, great movie. movie. <laughs> yeah. Did you see Jerry nah. Lewis's? Um, I think oh, it might have been his last interview where he was belligerent. Oh yeah. To that guy. Lovely. Oh, this poor fucking kid Lovely. somehow got a, an interview. He was in his 20s, I think, mm-hmm. and wanted to talk about Jerry Lewis. And he would ask him questions like, um, what was Vegas back uh, like back in the 1950s, uh, Mr. Lewis? And and oh. Lewis would just sort of look at him and say, same as now. Next question. And he did it for like 20 minutes. It was so <laughs> uncomfortable, man. You had to give the kid credit for like sticking in there, keeping swinging. Man. What would you do? Well, yeah, I had no idea. Dude. You know, at some point this will happen to us because at some point we'll have a guest that will really uh, knock uh, us out. I thought for a minute you were ins- you were ins- you were insinuating we'd be popular enough to be oh, no. to have that have that last Jerry Lewis. No, some ever. fluke will happen. Someone will accidentally appear on a show who's much too big to be on our show. Right. And then it'll be our big moment, and then the person will be angry at having sort of realized that they're now on the show right. that's as bad as ours. Their, por- their career forever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. you know, Hugh Jackman suddenly is like begging for change. Yeah. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, okay. yeah. So, um, uh, apropos of that, I guess in a way, you know, it's interesting. I, I We're talking about um, Anna Mae Wong. Yes. Tonight. Today we have an interesting, uh, yeah, we're... we're we're kind of reaching, reaching far back into, well, into I, the into the old chest. You know, once you find out about someone <laughs> like mm-hmm. Anna Mae Wong, a little research yields the fact that there are scholars who are talking about these people all the time. Right. You know, yeah. they have the same audience we have, like right. eight people who are interested in what they have to say. Right. Nine once we're we're, we're doing the research <laughs> for a couple of days. Yeah. Well, so Anna Mae Wong is is. Um, um, someone I, I discovered just a bit back, and mm-hmm. um, 
you know, there's a whole, there's an interesting thing about, about her because um, it's not just about Anna Mae Wong, the actress, right? We're going to take a look at a few of her films, yeah. but it's about like what, what she embodies oh. in terms of Hollywood, in terms of racial and gender and, politics. Yeah, all Jesus, of that all of about it. like sort of standing um, up and then sort of folding. It's all, you know, which is inevitably the life cycle, as you and I know. We could have told Anna May Wong this long ago. <laughs> yeah, it's standing up and folding. Right. Um, but it's all those things, and and so she's this really interesting sort of lesser known. And I think that also what happens is when you have a, um, the success of of like people who are interested mm-hmm. and come along and sort of uncover things for you, all the pioneers are still buried. Right. So it's right. like. You know, just just in terms of like um, um, Chinese women, right? In mm-hmm. the arts, if you take a look at like, um, have you ever read Maxine Hong Kingston's No Name Woman? No, it's a, it's a great collection of short stories, and it sold like millions of copies. It's one of those yeah. rare things. I've heard of it. I've never read it. Though. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a great sort of like um, a stories my aunt told me. A lot of frame stories about like the ant from China. Now that now that you're in America, the ant from China tells you the stories. And like the Happy Good Fortune Club. Well, there's the Good Luck Club. Right. Uh, the, what is it? The Joy Luck, Joy Luck Club. Sorry, right. Um, right. this is Amy Tan, right? Mm-hmm. Which so, I did read. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you have those, but those came around as a result of like. I guess sort of busy busy, busy body scholars mm-hmm. or busy bossy scholars. However you want to put it. Busy, buddy. busy Bob. Okay. David Lee Roth. Okay, stop putting it. Okay. Anyway. So so these these scholars come along and they unearth people and it's sort of like, you know, um, there's this, there's this author, um, uh, a Canadian Chinese author named Sui Sin Far, and I think I've recommended um, her to you before. I'm not sure, but she has a collection called, a collection called Miss Spring Fragrance. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a collection of her journalism and short stories, and it touches on all of these issues at just the right time, like the 19-teens, right? Because mm-hmm. America is this place. So she's as, from that time period. She's writing in like oh, 1905, 1908, 1913, yeah, yeah. and she was buried. No one knew anything about her until right. like some Berkeley and UCLA, you know, hairy busybodies came along and mm-hmm. decided like this is a woman who, you know, a woman, a Chinese, a Canadian, right. writing in English. And she needs to be sort of known. And unfortunately, she's still not that well known. Right. But my point is, like, she's telling these stories or reporting these stories, Sui Sin Far, at this time when it's just this perfect sort of moment in history, right. which is to say it's sort of like post-Chinese um, immigrants and the railroads. Mm-hmm. But before the Chinese Exclusionary Act of the 1920s, oh boy, which yeah. is its own sort of history, and that's so a crazy law. That's a fucking. That's, that's a fucking law that specifically says these people are not allowed in the country. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Wow, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm no, 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 no. It, it's, it's absolutely it's a bit of it's insanity. Crazy. It's yeah. ridiculous. Taking a hard stand against I know, the I know. Chinese Exclusionary Act of 1926. What's wrong with me? Yeah, anyway, I'm so a I'm, fucking bleeding heart. Yeah, I'm doing all this ridiculous stuff because it's about anime Wong, but it's like I'm bringing up like um, sort of like people who were getting into it early uh-huh. um, and, and still weren't recognized for doing it. Um, and then somehow, in all of that, we have 1904, I want to say, and Pacini's. Madam Butterfly, Madam Butterfly right? right? Which is Something like knocks open a door. Yeah, well, it does artistically. Yeah, it, artistically, it definitely knocks open a door. It sort of addresses the issue of like um, you know, so-called like yellow fever, mm-hmm. right? You oh. know, um, the the relationship between having um, been there. <laughs> 
come on. You too, you know it. No, no. Uh-huh. Um, the relationship between um, like Asian or Asian Americans and like Western whites. Sure. Typically Western white men. Yeah, versus um, Asian women, yeah. Yeah, right. So it's like mm-hmm. a, f- a fetishizing. And it's, by the way, I'm not saying any of this so far from a, a sort of a, a critical or negative point of view. It's just something to note, sure. right? The sort mm-hmm. of like uh, propensity of these relationships to happen. Right. That, that, that start, you know, uh, you know, late 19th century and are noted all the way into like Vietnam. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Sort of this, this sort of weird relationship that happens between like a dominant culture, a colonizing culture sometimes, um, immigrants who are used and then sort of like the men folk who come over, take advantage of the the uh, the women that are available. And also the men who are uh, emasculated, the the Asian men who are sort of emasculated. Right. And I mean, of course, like there's the easy sort of low hanging fruit is the the joke about, you know, um, Asian men and and genitalia. But, you know, fucking I made the jokes myself. I get it. But it's sort of like beyond that. It's like, yeah, there is a serious serious division happening. Right, right, right. Well, it's not happening. it's, the people are being divided, right? Right. And so I'm interested in all of that. So because, now we're studying it. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're talking about, right? the difference, right? I think so, right. And, yeah. and so Puccini has this opera that comes along, and yeah, absolutely, it, it does sort of kicks open a door. But weirdly, I think that opera, anyone who's seen Madame Butterfly, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is itself kind of fetishizing. Yes. It's sort of like it, on the table, on right. a on a the, paper, it's sort of... The is, Noble Savage comes out. That's kind of what it is in the yeah, end anyway. Yeah, it's sort of, of the Noble Savage. So I'm interested in, in, in all of that background. And it'll come up later on as we talk about um, Anna Mae Wong. But in 1922... She makes this film. It's her first starring role. Mm-hmm. It's a silent film. It's notable. It's one of her first roles, too. It's one of her first roles. It's her first I mean, she was, breakout role. Because she, was, because she was unique in that she was an American-born Chinese person who yep. decided to go, a woman, who said, I'm going to go be an actor. Yeah. And just went and, and kind of made it happen. Well, and in this case, she happened to be there right time, right place. I guess. I mean, dude, she was 17 <clears throat> yeah. when she made this film. Yeah. And, and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, obviously, I just sort of foreshadowing here mm-hmm. that I think she's amazing for 17. She pulls it off really well. She's it's a fucking, silent film. It's a silent film. It's also like maybe the eighth or ninth film to ever use quote unquote color. color and it's right. a sort of like two tone color. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's got that. It also um, speaks to this other issue which I'm increasingly finding interesting and that's that um, what films do we decide to um, archive? Right. To, to sort of save, mm-hmm. right? To use all our technology to preserve sure. is the word, actually. Right. And so this film actually is missing the last reel. Mm-hmm. And in 1985, um, it, the last reel was sort of recreated. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in an artistic way, a way I respect, it yeah. clearly is different from the rest of the film. Yes, very different. But but they did their best. They used the same technology. Yeah. Of course, so far along with the, with the, with the stock, yeah. couldn't possibly have matched it 100%. So you're going to get the difference, right? Yeah. But nevertheless, it was an attempt to really sort of revitalize and give you the ending that was part of the movie. Well, it's part of it, right? Because, you know, we did that episode on, on the Sherlock Holmes movies and it's like, you know, John Barrymore's, was it Barrymore? Yeah. The 1922 like Sherlock the Holmes, Rudy, right? Uh, the silent one, yeah. That one was a, a fucking in pristine condition. And mm-hmm. of course, yes, you should preserve that film. Right. And and I don't know whether race plays into it. I'm not even acu- accusing it uh, you know, as an issue of race, but I'm saying like somehow this movie, 1922's The Toll of the Sea, Toll of the sea. which is a, a bit of a retelling of... Um, Madam Butterfly. Butterfly type of yeah. story. Um, why didn't it get preserved? 
because right. it's because it's one of the first color films. Right. It's 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 so interesting. Anyway, so so if you know Madame Butterfly, the the, the storyline is essentially you have this young Chinese woman. Mm-hmm. She meets a, an interesting Western dude. Gentleman comes along to, to exploit everything. So why not her? Alan, the Western guy. Well, look, I I want to say a couple of things. He comes across as maybe well intentioned initially, but a coward. Ultimately, a coward. Huge right? coward. Well, so there's several things. Well, first of all, I just have to say this. <laughs> We live in the wrong time, you and I, because yeah. to be a good-looking man with a body took much less in the <laughs> olden days. This guy is not... They would put me in charge of banking or some shit. <laughs> I look so prosperous for 1922. You look prosperous, Tommy. Hugely prosperous. Yeah. Little they you know, Twinkies are on their way, everybody. <laughs> They're going to fuck it all up. <laughs> so... So this guy, I, I, I agree with you, Tom. I think the character, Alan is the guy's name. Um, he has He is taken... With um, yep. you know, this little lotus flower, right? You know, her name is Lotus Flower. Her name is Lotus Flower. Um, Seventeen-year-old mm-hmm. um, anime Wong, mm-hmm. and so we have these two sort of. Not only do we have the sort of the white and the um, Asian sort of pairing, and, right. and all the trouble that that could you know imply yeah. by mm-hmm. his being in China and starting this romance with right, her. Right, right, we right. have the sort of the net, the background. <clears throat> so we have um, represented by two women, but certainly a larger community. These two older women who are like this. You don't understand. Americans what's would call you cats. Yeah, well, there's that, right? So some, of the, some of the translations are ridiculous. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, so, so like they, they know, they're hip to what's yeah, going to happen here. Happen, and right. there's some implication that it's happened to at least one of them. Like well, this one stuff of them says she's around. had like four or five American husbands or something like that. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's there's Alan and his sort of like naval buddies who are yeah. like, well, of course, you're not going to um, start anything yeah. serious with this woman, right? That. The old and out is oh, one thing. Oh my God. But, um, Better once you breed with this cattle hope over here. <laughs> Fucking monsters. Anyway. But yeah, so so Sorry, yeah, they basically they talk him out of his own infatuation with her, of course. Yeah, well did they I mean I guess they did. And it, it, it it's they put you the interesting the, thing about silent films is is you get to see reflection in a way that you don't see because there's no subtlety, right? So right. like so so he has to uh, he assumes a thoughtful posture as a, <laughs> a dour and thoughtful posture as they're doing. And not a, not in a bad way. I'm not right. I'm not criticizing it at all. I think Wait, why that's not you? The, I think that's the acting you have to do in oh, this acting. I thought yeah. you meant the, the character. Yeah. No, he's a no. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, we're given to understand that, you know, he sort of gives her the old, uh, well, uh, I'm going off to college and I think we should see other people for six well, months speech. No, no, even worse than that. Yeah. He, he, he gets a telegram, he shows her a That's telegram right. from her father, from his yeah. father saying, dad wants me to come home. Yeah. But I'll be back. Don't you worry yeah, about that shit. No. So, of course, uh, it, it's the rest of it. And this is the, the familiarity with, with not only Pacini's story, but but Susan Farr's short stories and, mm-hmm. and a lot of sort of, it, it characterizes things that actually happen in the world at right. that time. Well, that happened in the world today, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But it's like she's waiting around. She's yeah. waiting and waiting and waiting. And while it's, she's doing that, yep, go ahead. she gives birth to a little half-breed boy. Yeah, well, here's a weakness in the, the, the technical mm. aspect of the film. Suddenly the boy is like four. Right. You have right. to have this little boy, this character who can sort of like act Instead mm-hmm. of a baby, and so you know she has this sort of toddler who's yeah. who's hugging her, and she's telling goodnight stories. But she's you know foolishly or romantically. Oh, or, by the way, the boy is obviously very just one hundred percent Caucasian. Yeah, they couldn't find a they couldn't find a half Chinese, half white child for the role. Well, so we're going to get into that later on, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of foreshadowing some of the other problems with Hollywood and and the things that Anna May Wong was talking about later on. But mm-hmm. but so so in the meantime, Alan is back in America, and he's fallen in love with like and the film almost says this by the way as sympathetic as the film tries to be it's almost like well he fell in love with a real woman right <laughs> like a white woman yes yes an actual woman you say here's where it gets really uncomfortable because oh. what should happen the, the discomfort should be that 
um, he has to find out about his child or that the woman he's with is going to be mad or something mm-hmm. like that. But actually, it's much more insidious than that. They go back to China and the woman is sort of like, I understand um, that you had this other lover. You owe it to her to sort of tell her you're not coming back. Which makes I mean, you now go that like, it's been several years, by the way. Okay, okay, that sounds like an interesting... A little, yeah. So it seems slightly enlightened in one way. Let's yeah. go. Let's keep going. Right. Uh, but no, I mean, it's really... It's 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 a very... I mean, I, I almost don't want to say exactly how it plays out, but it's a very, very uncomfortable sort of reel in this film. And yeah. it's about the meeting of, of Lotus Flower and Alan as he returns with his betrothed. Right. Uh, unbeknownst to him that he even has a child. Yep, has no idea. Because he hasn't been writing he didn't back. Leave, he didn't leave a forwarding address. No, in fact, she's been writing letters to herself to yeah. fool the other villagers, right? Oh, it's fucking so sad. So uncomfortable. It's so it's, this is the mo- earliest uncomfortable movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on record as saying it's your, the earliest movie that's that's squeamish. A little cringe comedy action here? Wait a minute, cringe I forgot drama. about Birth of the Nation. <laughs> oh. Never mind. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's I a little squeamish, you, I guess. I you know, I've never seen that. Anyways. It's actually well made, but it is it is terrifying. I, I need to see it. I see it. <laughs> anyway, so right. so it's all about that, and then it's like, what does she do with this child? And so, in a way, in some ways, like what Lotus Flower, the character, has to do is to be selfless. Yes. After having been shit upon, and she's Asian, and in and some ways, that's just like good character writing. Yes. And in other ways, it just plays it right plays into the hands the of like the, yeah, the, right. the the massage parlor girl who's uh, like you know whatever you'd like. Oh, What's the, the fucking be lucky came, long time? So just came from my baby. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's so but, anyway, but there's also but there's more to it than this because please. there's also yeah. this sheer like <laughs> like the the the, the to be white wife never once stops and goes well, to be wait explain to be white wife to be no the white to be wife. Oh. The wife to be who <laughs> happens to be a Caucasian body. woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, she she never stops for a second and goes, Maybe the maybe the child's better off with her mom. It just automatically assumes that she that they should just take the kid and Yeah, well that's what I didn't want to reveal, but I don't mind that you did reveal it. Oh, that, that's the thing. So Lotus right. Flower decides that, that the best course of action is um, first to pretend that this child who shows up, I mean, there's a great sort of bit of acting where the child's about to come out. To mm-hmm. just talk to the three of them, and she's sort of like waving the child away, like no, go, no, no, don't ruin this. Right. Ruin what is the question? Right, it's this wonderful reunion. Right, and then and then there's a sort of like woman to woman moment, and mm. that Tom refers to, and the woman to woman moment should be, hey, this guy you're gonna marry left me with a fucking child. Yeah, right. But what it actually is is, mm. well, why don't you take the child so right. you can raise it? And the, you're right, the woman is sort of like. Yes, well, yeah. I'll I'll give of myself to take your seed. Yeah, that's right. Basically, right? He went to the poor little heifer. He gets to America where he's going to get really treated shitty. Holy moly. Anyways. I mean, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a film that, that definitely has actual flaws in its intention. Yeah. But most of the flaws are actually the flaws that it's pointing out. It, right. it actually, I would I would call it like a socially like pioneering film. Mm-hmm. It's obviously technically pioneering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That, that, that mismatched ending that they put together in 1985, it... They can't match it, but the intentions there were good. Yeah, I'm they glad pulled they, it off. They, 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 they did it in happen. a weird way. They didn't try to get like a double to play yeah. her or something, and you can watch it for yourself. Because that person would have been white. Yeah. <laughs> Even in 1985. Sorry, yeah. Especially in 1985. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it would have been like a Tilda Swinson's first role or something. 
Yeah, but it's <laughs> why does that person look like an alien from the movie? There's okay. it's a there's a great there's a brilliant print yeah. um, available for uh, free. You're gonna think it's colorized, but it's actually just the early color yeah. from 1922. It's on YouTube. That's where I saw. It. Is that where you saw? It? That's where I saw it. Yeah. All right. So we have so we have that anime Wong right, and then so what happens is somewhere in the 20s, you know, she becomes an adult and she gets some balls. And man, I'm talking about real balls. She decides to leave Hollywood because she's like, look, yeah, I'm an Asian, I'm a Chinese American actress, and here's what I get to be like. Dragon lady, Dragon or like lady. evil, vicious right. lady. There's a great quote from an article. Um, uh, I left Hollywood because I was tired of the parts I had to play. Why is it we're nearly always a villain and so cruel, murderous, treacherous? So she leaves for Europe. Mm-hmm. Now, weirdly, what she ends up doing is she plays the Asian villain in like a Sherlock Holmes movie, or she plays Charlie Chan's daughter, right. or something like that. But consider this, Tom. Consider, I want to go back. I want to say it's like episode 16 when we did Peter Lorre and mm-hmm. Peter Lorre as Mr. Moto. <laughs> you know, there yes, is sir. something to like, yeah, you're Charlie Chan's daughter, but Charlie Chan actually had some ownership. Mm-hmm. Charlie Chan was actually Asian actor, Asian actress playing these roles. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's the role itself is kind of a stereotype, but at least they're... Right. You know, uh, steered we, by Asian actors. It's one of those things where like, it, it, it's interesting because there are like um, so many other... Ethnicities have their kind of pioneers in there. Yep. Anime Wong is interesting because, like, she was punished with obscurity, if anything else. Because if you look at, like, <sighs> yeah. so look at her, then look at Jay Silverheels. Yep. Like, he just got pilloried by his own people for being a, what are the Uncle Tomahawk or something like they called him, you know? Yeah. So Anime Wong didn't get, so she got that obscurity, which kind of kept her in the, kept her in the background until, like, now, where it's, it's less likely that that's going to happen to her. So she gets, like, an appreciation. I think she gets yeah. a well-deserved appreciation. I, oh, I totally agree I mean, with that. She, I mean, she should be it, much more well-known than yeah, she is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's that. I mean, like, you're right in the fact that, like, she came back, that she came back from Europe to America. One, she came back to try to get right. uh, the role in The Good Earth. That went oh, to Louis Rayner, yeah. and they were like, "Well, you can have the whore, right. um, like daughter-in-law." And she was like, "Fuck you!" Another ballsy move on yeah, her part. Fuck you. And so, like, she's she's maintaining her integrity, yeah. But she's getting what most people get as a result of maintaining your integrity, which right. is shit. Right. She's totally shit on. And so yeah. when she comes back, she actually there's there's some story that she actually was hired before they allowed her to come back into the mainstream of Hollywood. And by the way, mainstream means poverty row productions, essentially, right? right? right. But before she was allowed to do that, um, she was a quote-unquote tutor. A tutor for white actors trying to play Asians. And so it's like she ended up doing the very thing she would have hated the most. I, I kind of want to walk away right now. It's yeah. so embarrassing. Okay, well, I read this other thing that I found like just because you, because you're right. She the, she got stereotyped. She got stuck into being the you know the 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 the, the dragon lady kind of thing. She literally physically could not be a leading lady because a leading lady in the Hollywood at the time had yeah. to be a romantic interest. Right, and you and couldn't. She no couldn't, could kiss her. She couldn't kiss a white person. Yeah, she couldn't kiss a white person. Acting like a Chinese person. There's, there's, it's fucking crazy. One of the films oh. we're going to talk about in a bit, it's very clear that the actor should kiss her when he's excited. And he kisses someone who's totally ancillary but white <laughs> to the character just because it's like, well, you're there and you're right. a woman. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, yeah, 100%. Uh, so, um, so it's so embarrassing, but not what I'm watching, like knowing what's going on behind the mechanics that, that are... 
that are that are forcing her career in the direction. You know. Now, meanwhile, she's becoming an interesting person, mm-hmm. a la like a minor Lupe Valdez in a way. And, right. and here's what I mean by it: like she becomes like already by the 30s a heavy drinker. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. I, I I don't know whether that's the conditions to blame or she's just a heavy drinker. Right. But she also has many affairs with um, her directors mm-hmm. and and. Um, she stars or co-stars in 1932 in something called Shanghai Express, an early Marlene Dietrich film. Nice. And they, oh, she, a lot of people said, well, yes. That First oh. of all, it was it's established that she had an affair, a sexual affair with Marlene Dietrich in the mm. 30s, right? But but actually, um, go ahead, Tom. No, I'm going to be in the bathroom. You just, <laughs> <Go> <laughs> you just purred. I did. Actually, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's quite a... Quite a <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, well, because... But that's like, in terms of her attractiveness, I would say like... In 1922, she's like a little bit less interesting in a way. She's lovely, but she's very stereotypically like the Chinese lovely beauty. By the 30s, she's a badass. Like she should be like a a suicide girl or like a riot girl or something, right? Yeah, she's got that quality, right? Yeah. Like the odd silk clothing and like the the, the makeup that's just a little bit off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, A lot of people think, I didn't know this, but it wasn't until 1935, like seven years into the Academy Awards, that they started doing um, supporting actors and actresses. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that in 32, had they had it, that she served certainly would have got it for this role because she was the equal of of Dietrich although right. she had third billing because lots of things but mostly she's Chinese right so 1935 comes around and she's she's lobbying for this role in the good earth and they're like fuck you and she's like fuck you back then the humiliation of being a sort of like tutor then this thing happens we sort of skipped over the Chinese exclusionary act but it's sort of it's in there folks read yeah. up on it yeah. then this thing happens called World, World War II, War II. <laughs> and here's the and problem: we are, and and the Chinese are our noble fucking allies. Well, okay, so now yes and no because here's the interesting thing: like uh, like our grandfather yep, was, was in China during yep. World War II. Why? I mean, a lot of people don't know this: that that the, uh, the Japanese were fighting two fronts. Right. They were fighting World War II on the side of the Axis, but they were also fighting. I think since like 1937 or 36, something. 36, 37. Um, that they area. were fighting China. Yeah. And and brutalizing conquer, China, yeah. Like, like the, if you really want to, if you really want to feel awful about reading, go read a book called The Rape of Nanking. The Rape of Nanking. Jeez, mm-hmm. yeah. So, times. so, so, you know, although um, China wasn't like officially in World War II in the classic sense that we know it, mm-hmm. uh, it was in the interest of Britain and, and America to su- go over to China to support the Chinese the, because the enemy, they of my, beat. the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So, so in that sense, yes, of course, like China, the Chinese people and Chinese American became. You know, yes, of course, right. like the noble, noblest, noble, yeah. right? right? But on the other hand, mm-hmm. racism being what it is, Chinese people had to fight to say, I'm not Japanese. Mm. I'm, I just look like it to you people. Mm. And so it's like she started starring in these films that were clearly a propaganda films. Of course. Um, not amazing, but like entertaining. Yeah. She's like the best thing in them. Absolutely. But she is a fierce Japanese hater. Yes. In these films. And oh, it's a, a fierce. It's a, and, go ahead. And, and so she's like, yeah, so she's like fierce, but she's like, uh, you know, it's Dragon Lady. It's like Dragon Lady has moved over and is, and is you know, and hates Japs. Yeah. Is what's going well, she on. says Japs. I mean, that's a word that she uses all, all the, time. the time, and well, which everybody did at the time. It's yeah, I got it. Yeah, time. but also, also to point out, there's a little Chinese boy yeah. with a baseball cap in his back pocket. There's always that fucking kid, right? In any of these movies, like yes. back to Batan. He never like, got old. He was in, in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark too. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, <coughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. That's right. Oh my yeah. God. You know when we got some cultural sensitivity. Yeah. yeah. Mm, monkey brains too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Dog shit. Okay. Anyways, um, but okay, but she, but she. 
she so she had like this rebirth. It was a yeah. third kind of character that she could play in Hollywood, and she made the most of it. I so think. history sort of like handed her something in a way, this yeah. opportunity to be in these propaganda films mm-hmm. and be a badass. And so we have these two films from 1942. In many ways, they're the same film, they're but in lot, many ways they're not, like, right? Yeah, so a, so just in technical order, is 1942's bombs, bombs over, over Burma. Burma. Right and, so, and lady from lady from Chongqing. Yes, yeah. I mean they're slightly different, right? So so uh, bombs over Burma has this interesting move where it starts with her, she and others speaking Cantonese. Yes. for the first five minutes, and then it just sort of seamlessly actually, drifts into English. Go ahead. It's actually Mandarin. I remember reading that. I'm sorry, I don't want no, to be a no, dick, but I, I'm just I almost said General So. Okay, so I don't know. You're the expert, sir. <laughs> well, then it'd be General So and So, and dim sum. Oh, shit! Are you gonna eat dim sum? All right. So, um, yeah, it has like these sort of like interesting, I would say Bombs Over Burma is actually technically an interesting, a more interestingly mm. written film right. because it has more sort of like intrigue in it, right? right? So it's sort of like, you know, she's a school teacher. Um, she's, she's, not, she's not a double agent. Mm-hmm. She's an agent for the Chinese against the Japanese. Right. But in a weird way, she has to sort of appear as if she's a double agent to get information. Right, and so for some reason she's sent to go get supplies. Her her sort of covers to go get supplies for the school after the school's been bombed, and the one kid that she loves, who always wears a dunce hat in the classroom, has been killed. He's, he's a smart ridiculously. ass, ridiculously. One of the worst death scenes I've ever uh, seen. Yeah, by the way, that kid was not. I like like he fell. He fell down in slow motion. You can see his other hand going down. Yes, to, to break his yes. fall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, kid. and and grabbing a pillow. Right. Yeah. So so um, she sent uh, the covers to get school supplies, but it's really sort of take this bus and 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 gather. Actually, I'm not even sure what she's doing, but it's one of those things that happens a lot. It's funny because they describe what she needs to do, and then what she goes out and does way more specific than anything it she was told to matter. do. She's on a bus. Yeah, it's it's got a bunch of you know unique characters um, in <laughs> it. It's like Agatha Christie wrote a bus yeah, scene or something. Slim, Slim, the American bus driver, of for, course. For, of oh, course. right. I forgot about Slim. With an <laughs> enormous gun hanging off his belt. They end up in a monastery. It's unclear whether, whether the, the monastic priest is himself um, a, spy a spy or, or a whether double agent a double agent right. or whether she is and there's all this sort of like efforts to sort of prove who's the spy and who's not the spy mm. you know it's like the the, the the double it's not me it's him no i'm the original right right it's it's got that and a it's little not scooby doo action it's there for a little a few scooby doo and it's not amazing i would liken it in terms of quality if anyone's ever seen a film um starring Eben o'brien called the shanghai story Oh yeah, it's that level of okay. palatable, uh-huh. enjoyable, unique for what it is because right. it's propaganda, but it's propagandizing the, the the value of the Chinese person, right? Um, not noble savage, but just noble, right? Um, and righteous, and armed with a rake. <laughs> Always ain't, ain't taking shit with that rig. I forgot about the rig. Uh-huh. Kind of a brutal rig scene. <laughs> the, the print I saw, I don't know what you saw, also on YouTube, a terrible, terrible Say print. One. I just want to point out, like, yeah. that opening was really kind of unique. And I, and I wondered, I'd love to go back. Of Bombs Over Burma? Of Bombs Over Burma. Yeah, I'd like okay. to go back and watch people watching it for the first time because I was waiting, like, what's fucking wrong? Is this all going to be in Chinese? I had no right. idea. Right, there, right, were right. No ca- there were no closed caption to yep. it. And they didn't offer any kind of, uh, there were nope. no subtitles to it. It was just people talking Chinese. It was, that must have blown people's fucking minds. Yeah, in 1942. That's not a bad point. Yeah. So, so then it's. I, I think we can just transition right over to the other 1942 film, which is Lady from Chungking. Because I mean, it's it's similar. It's like she's a badass. She's sort of like. Um, By the way, Chungking, uh, Chungking Asian noodle food. Yep. has ruined the word Chungking in my head for all of my. Has life. it misspelled or just the, the thought of it? No, just because I remember the jingle from the 70s. Let's hear it. Try a chunking for your beautiful body. Try a chunking for your beautiful life. And then you did, and what a disappointment. <laughs> the <laughs> results I, were... Apparently I ate all of chunking. <laughs> Hello. All right, so... 
So, I mean, what's different about it is, I mean, she's, again, an agent. Um, right. She's uh, got this sort of, like, um, collective of, like, field workers who are also agents. Right. She's putting together a little a little army to but uh, she's under the resistance. The resistance because she's under the, the sort of, like, prisoner ship, sorry, I can't think of the word, of the of the local Japanese force. Slavery is really what it comes They're down slaves, to. right? Yeah. And um, an allied fighter is shot down. Mm-hmm. Um, but this film... I like the perverted general. I thought you'd well, like it more. that's what I was going to say. This film is really... Takes a different tack and it's, it's it's propaganda. Kind of tweaky. It just takes the Japanese leaders and especially a German um, consultant uh-huh. and and the the Japanese general and just parades them around mm-hmm. as like fools with their dicks hanging out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Yeah, it was pretty good. And she was awesome. <laughs> she was awesome. And, She's grabbing all those dicks and leading them, and, leading them down the garden path. And by the way, seductive. She's yeah. a seductive lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in many beautiful. ways, I, I would be her Marlene Dietrich. It's got the, it's got the classic like who will you allow of your own to be shot in order to keep uh, up the ruse for the yeah, bigger picture. Right. It's got all of those sort of issues there. She's boning, so she's all she's near boning everybody to keep, to to get the information necessary to pull off. Yeah. what needs to be pulled off here. So I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna sort of like I'm gonna sum up, but we don't we don't have to sum up. You can go back to the specifics if you want. <laughs> but I'm gonna say like uh, of the two sort of halves of our observations here. 1922's Toll of the Sea is actually, in many ways, as a film. I'm not talking about as a product, because historically they're all interesting as products. Sure. But the Toll of the Sea is actually probably the best, most moving film. The 1922. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The 42 And the films, acting is better. The and acting, the acting is, is The better. acting is just actually really good. These, this is, I would have to say, some of my favorite silent movie acting I've ever seen, because it isn't crazy over the top. Well, her acting in the 42 films is still good. It's just everyone around her is just kind of like shit poverty row actor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the 42 films are not great films. They're entertaining. But all of the films say something about the time period they came from. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's, uh, I guess and, they couldn't help it just by the nature. I guess so. I guess right, so. But having also her just, being such a heavy Lead. The strength of who she is, like the the will not fucking give an easily person yeah. that she was, mm-hmm. I, I think um, it makes her such an interesting. I, I would be very interested to read an anime Wong biography at this point. Sure, oh, and I definitely want to see some more of her movies. And yep. I just want to point out really quickly, like like uh, I think we kind of brushed over, it, but in Chung King, like we call, we talked about her being a badass in, more than the lady one, from Chung King. Lady from Chung yeah. King, right? We talked about her being uh, a badass more than once here, but like she's literally fucking Laura Croft in this thing. Yeah. She actually I mean, not she literally, some, but it's a misuse of the word literally. But oh, shut up! Yeah, literally, she's like Lori. She could be compared to. Look, you're being ironic right now. Okay, <laughs> okay. no, but she is like she's she's physically yeah. a badass. I, I would yeah. I would put her up there with like one of the first female action. Yeah, the, the, she pulled out some action. I, stuff. I would say that's true too. Yeah, I would say that's true too. So definitely, I think it's really <laughs> fascinating from that standpoint. Yeah, but, but um, it's a small bit of the overall movie. Yeah, and I think it's sort of tragically, you know, she ended up dying. Um, in the late 50s, um, it, it would seem from at least partially from her alcoholism, she was quite a, a right. juicer apparently. Um, right on the eve of her starring in Roger and Hammerstein's, like a, a sort of a comeback role, um, China, what's a uh, flower drum song? Flower drum song? Which, by the way, <clears throat> kind of takes you back to the ridiculous version of the Chinese. In a weird way, her comeback finally was going to be. Uh, giving in uh-huh. and playing the sort uh-huh. of like the China, China, the older China doll. Right, right. So in a way, I guess her, you know, it's kind of good that she didn't take the role, but she died fairly early and it was tragic. Right. That was like Eric Clapton passing away just before Tears in Heaven, right? It would be like Eric Clapton pushing his kid out the window. What's a not sure <laughs> didn't happen, by the way, because that song was huge. Uh, it sure was. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Listen, 
If you're a fan of what we do, I'm looking at you, Tommy, but anyone. I'm looking at you too, baby. We, you might consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. That means. Can we that try you, a hairnet next time? <laughs> jackass. <laughs> that means that you uh, subscribe at the $5 or more per month level. And as a result, you have access to our Patreon subscriber episodes. We have two new episodes each month, and you would also have access to the 